keep thinking it says shook award. Shook award. Shook award. Award for being shook. The most shook. Welcome back to the Shaken Not Scared podcast. Here with you as always, your hosts, Eric and Vivi. Today we're going to be talking about the 2015 film Krampus, directed by Michael Doherty. But before we get into that, how are you, Vivi? I'm excited. We are two days away from Christmas. Christmas time is here. Do we get flagged for that? I don't know. Whatever. I don't know what's copyrighted. Yeah, so I'm also really excited because this drink looks delicious. Yes, I know. I can't wait to get to it. How are you? I'm doing good. Excited for the holidays. Excited for a new year. We've got a lot of things planned out, so I think it's all just generally cheery and comfortable. Just quickly wanted to say on here, we're probably going to do a mini episode next week just to make things a little easier on us for the holidays, mainly Eric who handles all the editing here. So no full length episode next week, but keep an eye out for a mini-sode. Yeah, I think we're going to cover the lore behind Krampus. Keep an eye out for that. What do you have for creepy content? I don't think I have anything. No? I, mm, You're the queen of creepy content. Oh, it's just because I watch way too much true crime stuff. And you have nothing for this week? Just my usuals. <laughs> if you've got nothing, I am actually going to switch Hunter Hunter, which I brought up for content a couple weeks ago. I'm going to move it to creepy content because I'm on season three. That shit went from like being a super cheerful show to just suddenly getting dark as shit. I'm talking gut-busting leeches, people's heads getting bitten off. Like, it's intense. There's a lady who has, like, a vacuum. They kill this entire gala of people, and the vacuum eats up all the blood and bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really intense. So, so, like, Attack on Titan level gruesome? Not as much, because I guess Attack on Titan... Is all about eating people. Is all about moms getting eaten from day one. Not in the uh, sexy sense. I think we made that joke when Johnny was here. Moms getting eaten? Yeah. Well, call back to that episode. It's been that, a while since that we That was a Johnny. wild episode. A call out to our Patreon, shameful plug. But I think I'm going to release the extended three-hour episode of Johnny being here oh my God. for Patreon, if you want to hear that. I think I was just drunk screaming that entire episode, so. Both of you. And then we were just talking shit about our family. Mm. Mm. Which is the theme of this movie. Yeah, I can't wait to talk some more shit. <laughs> <laughs> on that creepy note, we had a friend over at the Dank and Deadly podcast, Re. We reached out to people on Twitter, and she responded to us and had an idea for today's drink. So I'm going to play a clip from her. She's got a little message for us. We'll try the drink right after that. So here's her message. Hi, I'm Ree. I'm host of the podcast Dank and Deadly, and I'm here to talk a little bit about the white hot gingerbread man that I've made for Eric and Vivi today for Krampus. It is a spiked white hot chocolate with gingerbread spices. It has cinerator, which is a cinnamon whiskey that's smooth. It's a little bit sweeter than fireball, so I thought it would fit in with this drink. You know, the warm, cozy sweetness of a hot chocolate that we all love. And yeah, it's just Krampus inspired, obviously, by the gingerbread men on fire (laughs) that the family fights when they're going through it. Christmas Eve. I hope you all enjoy it. Thanks so much for featuring my drink. Eric and Vivi, love y'all so much. So glad to be a part of Shaken Not Scared. Thanks so much. Yay, I'm super excited. Like I said, I just want to try it already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's go for it. Thanks again a thousand times if that wasn't clear. Yeah, and if you guys know anybody who wants to share a drink with us, please do. Send them our way. This is mm, delicious. That's really good. I'm gonna drink this on actual Christmas. The only thing that kind of 
might make it different for us is that we were not able to find Cinerator in Chicago. I think it told us at Benny's that the nearest one was like in Rockford. I'm guessing it's really popular because it was out of stock everywhere. Just like she said in her message, it's supposed to have like a sweeter taste than Fireball. We use Fireball. We're going to look for Cinerator to try to do this the right way. Mm -hmm. But if it's a regional thing, do your best to get close to the recipe. Even with Fireball, it's delicious. Oh yeah. What would you give it? Five out of five. This is like just a really good, like she said, chill for the night and watch this movie. Cozy. Drink. It's very cozy. Yeah. You said you want to drink it on Christmas. We might. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not the sweeter drink kind of person, but I think that when it comes to holiday drinks too, I like to give them more of a better rating than usual. This one being cozy and I like hot chocolate. I know a lot of people hate Fireball and like yeah. cinnamon whiskey in general. I'm not against, against it. it. I actually kind of like it. It reminds me of Big Red Gum. I was going to say, it's like one of those things you love or you hate, like Big Red Gum. <laughs> yeah. I love this. I'm going to give it a 4.5. Nice. It's pretty high for Eric if it's sweet. Thanks so much again, Ree, from the Dank and Deadly podcast. She made an article for it. So I'll just link it in the show notes, her article with the instructions. I think she wrote a snippet about Krampus too and their feedback. So keep an eye out Go for check it. it out. But do you have fun facts for me? I do, I do, I do. Let's do it. So I'm going to save Krampus specific stuff for next week. I think it's crazy how like Krampus has become very well known in the last couple of years. I'm sure that has to do with this movie coming out too and to the mainstream, you know? Could be. Krampus comes from mostly German and Austrian folklore. Where there exists Krampus runs consisting of people dressed as Krampus going through the streets and scaring children. Apparently, the Krampus we see in this film is also not as he seems. According to Doherty, the shadowed figure is also wearing a mask and we will never know what the real Krampus looked like. Mm. Yeah. He was supposed to be themed after like a death style figure too. I like his appearance in this film. It looks like just kind of a dead Santa Claus, like a decrepit old man. What if he killed Saint Nick and that's why? He's wearing his flesh. Maybe. Love that. He kind of reminds me of, if you've ever played this video game called Castlevania Lord of Shadows, in the first game, there is a character that is a pan that looks almost identical to this version of Krampus. Hunched over and it's got a giant hood. I like the look too. It's real creepy. His long nails and his venom-like tongue. Krampus runs reminded me of something else. People running around dressed as Krampus, mm -hmm. chasing children. It reminds me of like La Danza de los Diablos in Mexico. Have you seen this? I haven't seen it. It's like the Danza de los Viejitos. Seen yeah, that I've too? seen that one. They dress as like... Your family busts that out at like every family party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not dress as Viejitos. No, but they just do the dance. Yeah. They're just actually... They're just oh, actually <laughs> old. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Douglas Pipes, the composer for the film, made sure to change the Christmas carols used in the film by having, quote, pagan thrown in. I am confused. He was like, I'm gonna pagan it up. Just paganize it. I'm gonna take Christmas carols and I'm gonna throw pagans I mean, Christmas is a pagan holiday to yeah. begin with, but yes. He did this by having choirs chant and whisper in different languages and included bones and animal skin drums. Yeah, nothing scarier than foreign languages. Chanting and whispering. Now I wonder if it was like just Austrian and German people or if he did a variety like of people. Like all languages, yeah. This is just a generally fun one about the director. Michael Doherty having also directed 2007's Trick or Treat included a lot of Easter eggs from the film, including a lollipop identical to Little Sam's in Max's candy stash and the words season's greeting on the news broadcast in the kitchen. It's an allusion to Doherty's animated short of the same name, which introduced the character of Sam in 1996. Oh, that's awesome. I did not know that it was the same director. I didn't either until I was reading fun facts. I was like, oh, I fucking love Trick or Treat. No and wonder I this film is so fun and campy. Makes a lot more sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's all I got. Keep an eye out for Krampus minisode next week so that you can learn a little more about how creepy he is. We went to the Chris Kindle Market last week and there was a shop specific to Krampus, which yes. is kind of cool. And we are actually, the day of release, probably going to go back. I kind of wanted a Krampus ornament, so maybe we'll get one this time. Yeah, I don't think we had enough money to buy it. Oh, uh, it's, it's cash, cash only. only. Just millennial. Just never carry cash. It's too much for me to drop. Well, are you ready for this speed run? No. Okay, one, two, three. 
All right, so we start off with a store. It's supposed to be just the introduction to how Christmas spirit is dead in America and across the planet. And uh, we're introduced to this family, Max, uh, Tommy, Sarah, etc. And they're having family over. And it's like just, you know, to better reiterate that everyone's not really in the Christmas spirit. It's all about, you know, appearances, money, buying stuff. Like no one really cares. Right. So this family comes over. They hate the family. The family is, you know, really mean to them. And it's just it's like condescending slash passive aggressive conversations amongst everybody. But Tommy's or Max is like, oh, I don't want to. I don't love you guys anymore because they all like make fun of him for believing in Santa still. So then he throws out a thing out the window. Krampus then descends on this family and the town. It seems like he starts picking them off one by one. He's got killer gingerbread man and elves with him. He Tommy or Max at the end tries to take his wish back and Krampus is like, fuck you. It makes him think he actually took it back, but throws him in his pit with the rest of them. And then at the end, they're like in their house and everything is beautiful, but they're in a slow snow globe. I was done. I was done. No. They're in a snow globe. They were in a snow globe. <laughs> they were in a slow globe. A slow globe. A slow globe. A snow globe. I would say that didn't count. What do you You've mean? done it to me in the past where I was like right there and you're like, no. I've given you to you. I've been like, All you right. finished right at the last second. I think that counts. Fine. I'll give it to you. Thank you. I'm not trying to take a shot. Oh. Do you have a brief for me from the interwebs? While the holiday season represents the most magical time of year, ancient European folklore warns of Krampus, a horned beast who punishes naughty children at Christmas time. When dysfunctional family squabbling causes young Max to lose his festive spirit, it unleashes the wrath of the fearsome demon. As Krampus lays siege to the Angle home, mom, pop, sister, and brother must band together to save one another from a monstrous fate. Just for shits and giggles, it has a 6.2 on what? IMDb. That's so low. For horror movie, it's not bad. Yeah, Most of the ratings we see for horror movies are like a five. I guess. It being a rating for the general public, because I see people in the horror space typically like this movie. It is just a fun horror comedy about Christmas. It's like a turn of events for the Hallmark Channel, where it's like, oh, people don't love each other, and they're in the same family, and then there's a happy ending at the end. But this one's like, or is it? No, Hallmark is big businesswoman from big city, goes back to small town, falls in love with farmer, local, baker, <laughs> Christmas tree, owner. <laughs> I don't <laughs> loses entire career loses entire career but it's good for her because at the end of the day all women just want to be in a loving relationship with a farmer or baker <laughs> is that an illusion or something <laughs> that I sounds that's, sexist <laughs> yeah i think it does but people eat that shit up because they're bakers why is hallmark yeah i've never been a big fan of those type of movies do you want to dive in are you ready yeah get in the christmas spirit or in this case the compass spirit we open on what looks to be scenes of a black friday gone wrong or what Black Friday used to look like in this country a couple years ago. Or what like buying toilet paper in the beginning of the Pandora was like. People punching each other and fighting, security tossing people out. Apparently this scene was filmed in New Zealand all in one day at a real department store. So they just had the extras act crazy at a department store. Or maybe they were like, fuck it, let's film on Black Friday. This is what yeah, it's like. Yeah, that's what it actually looked like. I don't know if it's like that in New Zealand though. That seems like more of an American it thing. It is definitely an American thing. Again, I feel like with Cyber Monday and stuff, you don't see this because I remember you would see it on the news all the time. People just getting trampled, fighting for a TV and getting trampled. Yeah, it doesn't even make sense. It's exaggerated in this movie. People are breaking stuff apart and then beating each other with them. I don't think that there's any purpose in really going and fighting for anything at the store. Just wait. It's not just that serious. A bit. It's never that serious. We end on a scene of what turns out to be the family we'll be following for the rest of the movie. The younger son, Max, is full. 
full-on fighting another kid during the Christmas pageant. He's dressed as Jesus, right? I didn't catch that. Okay. I just saw religious things. They're dressed as somebody. Yeah, it was like religious things and then like traditional Christmas things. So Max was a reindeer and it looked like he was fighting Jesus. <laughs> just like in real life. This intro scene really is to just drive how the Christmas spirit isn't really what it used to be. It's all about commercialism, buying things, getting stuff for people that you don't really like. We get a pre-hereditary Tony Collette. I wonder if she got the role in Hereditary from this film because she is very fun in this film. I think she's a good actress. I like her. I love her. She acted her ass off in Hereditary. I'm sure like everyone always says this, but I can't believe horror isn't respected enough to be like awarded because she gave a crazy performance. Along with her, we get Adam Scott of Parks and Rec fame, Ben Wyatt. Love him. Love him. Love them both. Love them together. A lot of the casting in this was pretty good. Like I said, Dorothy, I love her too. She was in Two and a Half Men. I didn't really watch that. I think this movie does a good job of making you dislike and like the characters at the same time. Like it shows them as flawed human beings and you're like, I know a person like that, but you're cheering for them against Krampus's demons. So Tony Collette plays Sarah, Adam Scott plays Tom or Tommy, and their children are Max and Beth. They are coming home after this fight at the mall to their Omi, which is, I believe, German for grandmother. I was reading up some trivia and I think they might be Austrian. They kept referring to the family as being of Austrian roots. Okay. So, she speaks German. Right. Maybe they speak German in Austria. I Absolutely. apologize for We my are lack not of educated. Geographical knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But Omi's in the kitchen making a bunch of holiday treats as the family comes in arguing with Max, asking why he had to fight one of the older kids. Max explains that he was upset that this kid had told a bunch of first graders that Santa does not exist and was just trying to defend the holiday spirit. These kids deserve to still believe in Santa. Little do we know Max is really trying to put up a front because he still believes in Santa, even though he knows that possibly he's not real. Yes, which is a big catalyst for what happens in this whole movie. (laughs) Omi is making, it looks like a lot of Austrian or German-based food. So implying basically that Omi, although this family is very modernized and maybe lacks this traditional sense of the holiday spirit, Omi still has a lot of her traditions and culture baked into the way she tries to celebrate this with the family. And Max likes that about her. They seem to have a really close relationship. Omi knows that Max believes in Santa still, although he's trying to front. Tells him, have you written your letter to Santa? I think he asks, do you believe in Santa Claus? And she's like, I believe in the spirit of Christmas. If believing in Santa Claus is part of that, it is what it is. Which she says ominously, (laughs) and we find out why later. I actually really loved that in this movie, she speaks German to him the entire time, and he responds in English because I don't know for listeners out there, but like being children of immigrants this is exactly what it's like like my younger brother will talk to my grandparents in English and they'll respond in Spanish like you don't see this in films I just thought that was a cool little detail to put in this movie yeah we learn that the family is pretty upset about their cousins coming to visit Beth the teenage daughter is arguing with the mom about how she doesn't even want them to stay in her room Sarah is just trying to put up the holiday decorations and telling Beth to make the most of it Beth then goes to talk to her boyfriend through video call and is telling her her like yeah she's trying to put up this front kind of reminded me of pilgrim they're not broken in the traditional sense but they just don't really have a tight-knit relationship that they're trying to portray the picture that sarah is hanging of the family is a picture with santa it is so awkward because she notices that santa is literally checking out her daughter's butt and her daughter looks so uncomfortable in the portrait i would take that down i wouldn't keep that up no she leaves it up it's she's so like oh no i'd be upset <laughs> i don't think i would ever take my kids to go do this i don't care if they believe in santa that's not santa guys yeah i don't know i only see 
like videos and pictures of kids crying when they meet Santa, but we'll see. I would take Loki to go see Santa. That would be hilarious. If we could, he'd be too excited and reactive to whatever's going on. Yeah, it'd be too Maybe we dress you up as Santa and have him take pictures with you. And he'd be like excited. <laughs> but after Beth gets off the call with her boyfriend, there is a ringing of the doorbell. And I like how Sarah has to prepare. She's like... <laughs> Everyone prepares. Tom is like pouring so much whiskey into his glass. We find out that Sarah has been taking Xanax to prepare for today. Beth and Max are just not fans of their cousins. They're really grossed out by them. Been there. <laughs> <laughs> Some family truths coming out today. Yeah. The family walks in. Howard, the name of the husband, walks in with a shit ton of presents while Linda and Sarah are talking to each other. Walks over to Tommy. I was pissed because I was like, fuck you. He walks over to Tommy and assumes that Tommy's got a grip on all these presents that he's clearly struggling with. Drops them blames Tommy when he's like gave the butler the day off. Yeah, really passive aggressive comments are like the thing of this family. I feel like that happens in any family though. Yeah, the Howard family is definitely not financially at the same level as Tommy and Sarah's family. I think it's that same turmoil between them that they like just judge each other instead of just being like happy for each other that I find as a problem for families in general. I just think it's weird that you get stuck with these people that you generally don't have to get along with, but because they're your family and they're your blood, you're forced to be close with them. Mm -hmm. It makes sense because yeah, your blood, but like there's nothing in the law that says you have to get along with your family. Oh yeah. Some people <laughs> have like very toxic, awful families. Along with Howard, we get introduced to Linda, who is Sarah's sister and their three children, Jordan and Stevie, two very tomboyish girls, Howie Jr., I believe, who says nothing this entire film. He reminds me so much of Dudley. Yes. Just kind of like brain dead kid. Well, Dudley was more of a brat. This guy just does not say anything. I always saw Dudley as a brain dead kid. He's <laughs> betrayed that way in the first couple of movies for yeah. sure. Did you catch the baby's name? I did not catch the baby's name. I'm talking about Rosie the dog, not the baby. Oh, <laughs> well then you caught that baby's name. Was it Katie? Didn't, they didn't even remember they had the baby. Remember they oh, walk in and they're seriously. like, who's got the baby? And it's still in the car. <laughs> As a final surprise, we find out that Aunt Dorothy has also come to spend Christmas with them. Linda kind of looks at Sarah like, don't be mad at me. She just showed up. What was I supposed to do? Just to kind of explain the family dynamics here, you already explained how Howard kind of views the family. He also views Tom as a softie is the best way we could put it. He doesn't see him as manly enough or willing to defend his family. Linda and Sarah seem a bit estranged. Linda likes to say that Sarah believes that she's a fuck up. Yes, like immediately as soon as she walks through the door. Stevie and Jordan kind of play the role of the like bully older cousins to Max. Been there. Oh, were you the bully <laughs> no. or the bullied? I don't know. I guess it depends on Depends on perspective. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The family sits down to dinner and it is more of the same passive aggressive comments fights that don't really break out into fights just yet. At one point, Linda insults the food and Sarah decides that she's going to walk out of the room to go fix up dessert. Max is getting made fun of by his cousins and they start roasting him. Howard starts to make fun of Tommy because he's like, I'm prepping Howard to be the ultimate football player in high school. He's like, what about you? Were you ever on the field? And he's like, no, I, I was actually in Boy Scouts. And he starts to roast Tommy to his family at dinner. It's like, dude, like I'm hosting you. Fuck off. I hate in movies when there is a character clearly being an asshole and then the main character has to like take it and be the bigger person. I'm going to advocate that you don't be the bigger person. I think her being upset is totally right and everything she says is right. You've come to my house and you're just talking shit about everything. Next time you host Christmas. 
I think it's fair. I know you said you felt sorry for her, but I'm like, eh, I didn't say I felt sorry point. for her. I'm saying that like you feel bad because Dorothy clearly seems to have felt bad herself because she's like, oh, Sarah, like my bad, dude. But at the same time, you have to be like aware that you're just shitting on everything. Yeah, you could see that Dorothy regrets having been shitty for the rest of the movie. I she think she kind of just toned it like way down. Oh, yeah. She was just there for comic relief. She's like, you know what? Fuck it, guys. I'm here for the alcohol. Do and whatever that's you want. It. <laughs> I'll be out of your way. Back in the dining room, Stevie and Jordan have gotten a hold of Max's letter to santa and are reading it out loud as parents i would have straight up shut that shit down like can y'all fucking not howard get your damn kids yeah they like really let the kids just figure it out themselves here until it gets physical they're like did you hear what happened to santa claus oh he crashed somewhere out in the middle of nowhere although frostbite got to him he in order to eat killed his reindeer and ate them and then howard is like yeah well you know like reindeer is a source of food in some places it's like dude shut your kids up my kid still believes in santa claus shut them up tommy tries to fix that and he's like oh here Rangers, we see them as like a form of transportation for Santa Claus. Howard starts to go in on Tommy and he's like, well, they got to learn eventually. The girls start to read aloud what Max has written about the family. And it's very sweet that this poor kid is not even asking for gifts. He's like asking for things to be better with his family. He mentions that he wishes that his mom and dad would fall in love again, that his dad is really busy with work and he just thinks that they need to spend time together. Like that sucks as a kid to notice that. He wishes that he could spend more time with his sister like they used to because he doesn't have as many friends. Yes, because his sister is becoming a teenager and has a boyfriend. So it's not like when they were kids anymore. And then he even brings up his cousins. This is kind of messed up. As they're reading this, Stevie and Jordan kind of get a look of, oh crap, on their face, reading some truths about their own family. He hopes things are better for them even though they aren't as well off as his family. Stevie stops reading because she notices one of his wishes and says, screw you, my dad doesn't wish we were boys. <laughs> and this man clearly wishes that all his kids were boys. Totally, yeah. Listen, if your kid came up to you and wanted to do all those things, absolutely. But like this movie is portraying that it's forced upon them. Yeah, which I mean, if they're vibing, then fuck it. Yeah, if they enjoy it, who cares? But yeah. it just doesn't seem cool to force kids. Max goes in on them for it though. Yeah, Max <laughs> gets up and starts fighting them. And this is when the parents decide to do something. Barely. I resonate with Max, though. I was this kid. Like, when I found out that Santa wasn't real as a kid, I remember being sad about it. I, for the longest time, I already knew that Santa wasn't a thing. But because at home, it was like this tradition to kind of play this facade. It just felt like Christmas, you know, to do that. And it was like, yeah, I know already, but I'm going to continue this act because it's like a tradition here that was fun. It's kind of what this movie's playing off. Yeah. The moment I was told, I was kind of like, oh, fuck. So then when kids at school would talk about it and make fun of it, that's when I started going in on them. Like, fuck you. Like, let kids swinging. have what they want. Yeah, because <laughs> when I think my niece got old enough too, and kids started to say shit like that, it was like, no, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, it sucks that like you have to ruin shit for other people. Like, just be a kid for as long as you can. Yeah. Because once you grow up, you're just depressed just and working sucks. every day. I'm okay. It's fine. Drink your hot chocolate. But after this fight breaks out, Max is clearly upset and says, "Forget what I wished for. I actually hate all of you." And storms upstairs. Tommy goes in to try to console him. Max says, "Why do we have to put up with their crap? Because we share DNA." I mean, it's true. Like there's families who are like so tight knit, but I don't think you're really forced to do it. I think it's harder in like us, like our Hispanic culture teaches us that like oh, yeah. no matter what, this is your family, be close or get over it, especially when there's like drama and this condescending ass passive aggressive conversing that happens. I'm like, but no, like you should be able to be like, fuck you to your family. And I know so many situations where it's like people just won't say the truth to each other. And I think that things would be so much better if they were, if everybody was just real as fuck. Like, yo, we family, if we're going to say shit to each other, let's say it how it is. And if we're family, then we'll make it through we 
right? Gotta get over it. <laughs> I guess that's what they're doing here. Well, no, it's more passive aggressive. But Tommy tries to say, like, even if you don't get along with them, it's one chance a year that we get to not just think about ourselves. We have to think about what we have in common with other people like our family. And he's like, do you really believe in that? And he's like, I, I mean, I'd like to. He's honest with his kid, at least. Yeah. Tommy ends the discussion by saying he should still mail his letter to Santa. And Max is about to put it in the envelope and then overcome with anger about his family decides to rip up the letter instead and toss it out the window. We see as the letter is thrown out the window, a dark cloud start to come over the neighborhood and immediately all the lights and power start to go out. Suddenly, we transition with what seems to be an advent calendar that Max has and every day he's opening the little flaps to reveal characters underneath. It's the 23rd of December when the storm has broken out. In the little advent calendar, we see a kind of creepy looking snowman. This advent calendar looks like really old. I'm guessing it belongs to Omi because it looks like a very traditional handmade almost yeah would work yeah i was confused is it a snowman i thought it was like a yule baby or something i, I don't know anything about like the history behind christmas and baby? navidad never did what's a yule baby i don't know i don't even know if that's a thing I, it looks like a baby in the picture <laughs> no man baby <laughs> hold on i think that's a thing yule type baby it's a movie a newborn baby boy yeah no i'll delete that it just okay. looked like a baby a snow baby yeah i mean i, I already kind of clarified that i don't know what i'm talking about so i'll leave that <laughs> it just looked like a snowman baby like you said but yeah the whole family is basically complaining the rest of the house is are also out of power. Max looks outside, notices that there's a weird ass creepy snowman outside. And I want to make snowman like this because <laughs> he look cool. He shows the family and the family's like, yeah, what of it, Max? You fucking loser. Can't you see powers that we got more serious things to deal with? Yeah, I understand. As a parent, you're probably worried about how you're going to heat the whole house. Not so much a snowman outside. Also, talk about sponsorship. The DHL guy shows up with a package. Instead of mentioning UPS, he's like, the guys in brown probably delivered this. There's a sack, like a Christmas Santa Claus sack of stuff. We assume toys. You know, I never put two and two together when I first saw this. I was like, when did he put the presents upstairs? But I just realized that they took the sack. Why did they take it to the attic? They didn't. I think it was under the tree, but you know how they caught fire? Mm. Then Linda took it to the attic to wrap them again. Oh, true, true. Howard makes a joke and he's like, why do rich people always get the free shit? And that's true. It's always something that I've thought about. Yeah, it's like, I was actually watching a video about how content creators get like free stuff in order to promote it or talk about it. But they're like usually given to creators that are already very rich and could buy these products themselves. But it's all in the hopes of promotion. I don't know. We don't get free stuff. No. In the middle of all the chaos, Beth decides that it's a good time to go check on Derek. And what parents would let her go out in a storm? They try to stop her, though, to be fair. The mom tries to stop her, but the dad's like, it'll be fine. The no, whole it's neighborhood's not. powers out, but it'll be fine. I would not let my kid out in the middle of a storm. No. Beth, under the pretense that she's going to go see Derek, convinces them because she's like, well, well, I'm over there. I'll just see if anyone else has power and we can see what to do next. Omi is by the fireplace. It's almost like she's that family member that Sarah feels like is annoying to have around. So she's like, go get Omi. She's going to light the whole place on fire. Omi really has been putting together this little drink fest for them and has been creating hot chocolate. She's like, let's all get together and hang out in the middle of all this chaos. Let's just chill for a second. A little hot chocolate makes everything better. Just like this chocolate today. Beth has made her way to her boyfriend Derek's house. Suddenly it goes from being daytime to nighttime. The wind starts to pick up and the snow starts to become more intense and in the distance she can see a strange hooded horned creature on top of the roof of a house. Yeah, this is the first time we actually see Krampus, well, his figure. He's ominous as hell. He's a giant figure. I mean, massive. I don't know who wouldn't be scared of this. He's really
really nimble too for being so big. He's jumping from roof to roof, athletic as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Beth immediately starts to freak out and screams and runs in the opposite direction. She makes her way back to the truck of the delivery person we saw earlier, but inside the delivery person is frozen to death and his face is in a state of permanent fear. She hides under his truck. <laughs> you pointed this out. Because it bothers me so much. That he would know she's under there because of the snow. I think he does know because otherwise he wouldn't have left that clown trap. Yeah. You know what I mean? He just leaves the creepiest looking jack-in-the-box under the car with her. Jack-in-the-box snake clown? I don't even know what to call him. Point is that he gets bigger and bigger with every child he seems to eat. At this point in the movie, he's pretty small, like the normal size of a jack-in-the-box. The music starts to play. She thinks she's escaped. Krampus, who walks around the truck, turns around to see the box, and a little clown starts to pop out, but we don't really see him at this point. It just pans away from the truck, shaking and her screaming. We cut back to the family in the home. Max is noticing more and more snowmen appear outside the house. Sarah and Tom kind of have like this sweet moment talking about their situation and what's going on and what they can do. And they're laughing and joking and Sarah's the one who says, I miss us. It's kind of like Max slowly starts to get his wishes granted because his parents are getting along again. Yeah, it's also in this moment that you start to see like this movie is going to be kind of like traditional Christmas movies where only in chaos does a family really come together. Sarah also says, you know what, Beth's been out for too long. We need to go find her. One of them suggests, Howard, can your Hummer, Lucinda, handle driving through this? I don't know, is it sponsored by Hummer too? I've personally never liked Hummers. My only issue with it was the family is portrayed to be like very low income, but they have a giant Hummer. That thing takes up a lot of gas. It's a thing that happens. Tell me that that's not something that we see growing up. People in fancy know. cars they can't afford. Yeah, they're probably leasing them though. So maybe that's what this family's doing, at least in the Hummer. Possibly. I am not a car person. I know there's people who rather spend money on their cars than their homes. Like it's your choice of lifestyle, but it seems like this dude has chosen to have the Hummer instead. Right. Talk about rich. Yeah. Those things get like 10 miles a gallon. And so then I don't understand all the shit talking to Tom when he's clearly not struggling with that car. So he's like, yeah, Lucinda, fuck yeah, she could take it. It's a recon mission. We're going to go look for Beth. And we're going to see if anyone else has got power. Omi, however, does not want them to leave. She says it's safer for the family just to stay inside and keep the fire lit. You can see that she's scared because Max notices that her hand is shaking. Howard and Tommy are driving. They find the snowplow and they investigate, but they notice also the glass shattered in. They grab guns. So not only does Howard have a super expensive gas guzzling Hummer, but he also has a shotgun. Again, I don't think this family is like struggling financially. They just choose to spend their money other ways. <laughs> yeah. While that's happening in the background, Sarah and Linda also have their come together moment. Linda notices that on the Christmas tree, Sarah has a picture of when they were kids. She's like, oh, I'm surprised you still have this stuff. Sarah's like, well, it's what mom would have wanted. She also notes that she still has mom's angel and basically realizes that her sister pretty much has saved a lot of stuff from their childhood. She's like, what happened to us? And she's like, I don't know. We just are bitches to each other. Fuck. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. That's exactly what they said. Meanwhile, Tom and Howard finally reach Derek's house and it is completely destroyed. The first hint that we have of something being really weird and wrong in the house is that a gingerbread man is stabbed to the fridge. These are some fat gingerbread men. They thick. They're like more bread than ginger. They're also stuffed with something, right? Because I think when Howie takes a bite later, into, I think like... it's just like really thick bread. It's not even good. They look delicious. Really? I'd also take a bite. I'm like, that. they're really thick. I don't think I would want that. The cream filling looks good. There's no cream filling. I swear there to God, is. there I is no cream filling. That when he bites into it, it's got like a little white filling in it. I swear to God. We have to rewatch this. I it does. Maybe I just pictured there being filling. You're like, ugh, those need to be filled with filling. (laughs) They're so (laughs) thick, they need filling. 
<laughs> what? This conversation sounds so dirty. <laughs> this is a family-friendly drinking podcast. Drinking horror podcast about murder. We talk about murder and horror. Horror. But yeah, the house is desolate. Howard's like, I don't know what's going on here, but this shit's disturbing. They also see the chimney seems like something burst out. Howard even says, like, I think a gas line broke. And that would be like a logical person's response. However, they notice in the debris and snow a giant hoof print coming from the chimney. Is this an elk? Is it a goat? Tommy's like, what kind of goat walks on two hind legs? And I have a story like this. Did you see a goat that walked on hind legs? In my mom's house, in the backyard, a lot of snow accumulates in the driveway piece. Deer are common over by us, but we have a high fence at my mom's house. I don't know nothing about deer, so I don't know how high they jump, but I'm talking like a six foot, seven foot fence, right? I don't think deer jump that high, but you can see like hoof prints in the snow. The snow around the hoof prints was like melted and everything. And I was like, what the like the devil walk into our backyard (laughs) y'all got visited by krampus yeah they're like tiny little hoof prints skinny krampus yeah i was thinking like a what are they called the satyr what are they called phil oh from hercules yeah i don't know but i was thinking something like that because they were not like a four-legged animal it was like two steps at Mm -mm. a time yeah i don't know it's weird demon yeah y'all got visited by a demon yeah or an elk on two legs it's black philip they hear screaming and it sounds like it might be beth so tommy and howard start running after but it seems like this was just a trap laid for them as soon as they step outside this creature that we never fully see starts to slither through the snow and captures Howard. They struggle for a bit and eventually Tom has had enough and just raises his gun. It's a funny moment where Howard thinks Tommy's gonna shoot him. Yeah, not as weak as you thought. (laughs) Tommy? Yeah. (laughs) Tommy ends up saving him. The next thing we get is Sarah and the rest of the family hearing the screams, trying to go out with them. Tommy and Howard also crash through the front door, freaking everybody out. Tommy and Howard make this understanding of like, yo, not here. Let's not talk about what happened. The kids are here but i mean how do you do that howard's got literal fucking gash in his leg he's like i don't know it must have been a bear trap and max is like we don't have bears here every (laughs) like excuse they try to say max is like no no i know the truth (laughs) but they do send the kids away to the kitchen with aunt dorothy where she shows them how to make peppermint schnapps she's like i don't even like kids not even when i was one (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't blame her (laughs) and dorothy is hilarious in this film i love her she reminds me a lot of miss mac a little bit right just that like drunk older woman and the party the adults discuss what is going on in the next best moves. Omi's got a knife and a cleaver. She keeps readying up. I think it's almost unfortunate that she's getting ready for battle, but her face-off is just yeah. opening a bag of presents and not really doing anything. Before Omi leaves the room, she once again mentions that they need to keep the fire lit. Tom decides that the best course of action is to board up the house and bunker down. Howard tells him, like, thanks, man. I thought you were spineless. You saved my life out there. Tom lets Max know that Omi's always kind of been weird around the holidays. While they're boarding up, they also notice, or at least Max notices, that the snowmen once again are moving in much closer and there is more of them. Creepy. It seems like as they're being taken, there's more. Is that what we're supposed to understand? Because when only ha- one of them looks like Howie, right? I thought so, but is I it- don't see a Jordan one or a Beth one. When they finally try to leave and the elves show up, they're hiding behind way more I think he only turned Howie into snowman. Oh, I mean, it's the same, It's the same thing. (laughs) Melting from his mouth. Yeah. Staring, silent. No difference. They basically all say, like, we got to keep watch. We got to make it through the night. Howard says, hey, I'm going to keep watch. A shepherd's got to protect the flock. And how does he do that? By falling asleep immediately. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. fuck that guy. The movie kind of just pans through everyone asleep. There's, like, Christmas music playing. You start to hear chittering and laughing from the chimney. Because the fire is about to go out. The fire being on keeps Krampus and his minions from coming down the chimney. Oh, that's why Omi was worried about it. Yeah. Mm. The fire dies. You see a hook start to drop. Howie Jr. is the only one who notices. He sees a gingerbread man is hanging from the bottom of the hook. Naturally, he's like, oh, 
free food. No one's going to eat that? All right. <laughs> so he approaches it and takes a bite straight from its head. No hesitation, just eating food from the chimney. Dudley, I'm telling you. <laughs> I could see that. The gingerbread man immediately looks at him and is like, ah, <laughs> how dare you? And starts screaming and attacking him. He wraps the hook around his body. The hook is yanked into the chimney. That's when the rest of the family starts to notice. And in chaos, everyone grabs a foot of somebody because they're getting pulled and they're losing. A log with embers gets pushed towards the tree and lights the presents on fire. So the tree's on fire. The family's all panicking. Sarah, I think, is the one that sees one of the gingerbread men who's like making fun of her. A very chaotic scene. I would also be traumatized if I just saw a walking, talking gingerbread man. It seems like they're about to win and get Howie Jr. down, but in the last moment, he is completely taken up the chimney and his shoe just drops to the bottom. This is where Omni decides it's time to tell the family what is going on because they are completely freaking out. And the story is told in Coraline fashion. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I wrote it's told in uh, Three Brothers from Harry Potter fashion. Oh, yeah. And then it goes into claymation. It is beautiful and it is creepier. This movie is like really well done in terms of animation. Yeah. Omni tells this whole tragic story of when she was a kid back in the day her family and village had also endured a time where it felt like Christmas spirit was dying out. It was full of turmoil. Her family was not special. Her family also was going through the same. And she always dreamed of being lively and trying to bring the Christmas spirit to life in her family. It never working. She started to also have doubt. She wished that it would be taken care of. And she got her wish. That night, Krampus shows up. You can see only the shadows of her parents being attacked. The village is destroyed. She's like, I was left as a reminder that when hope is lost when christmas spirit dies there's only krampus he doesn't give he takes very effective very creepy in the end he gives her this bell that says krampus on it it's like an iron bell it's like the opposite of the north pole movie what's it called, it called the polar express polar express yes <laughs> I fucking hate that movie. That movie is terrifying. I, I want to talk animation. about a horror movie. <laughs> that animation's fucking creepy. It's I like don't love it, yeah. So close to being human, you might as well have just done people. There's <laughs> nothing special about that film. Oh, I'm sure some people <laughs> love it, though. The thing that's interesting is that she calls Krampus the shadow of St. Nicholas. Yeah, interesting concept. It's definitely scarier. It's like it's Peter Pan. It's a way Pan, to describe him, yeah. Where Peter Pan is supposed no, to be... No, I'm talking about a movie that's scary, Peter Pan. <laughs> yeah. Where Peter Pan is supposed to be this lively boy, the shadow is... His pedophilic tendencies. Oh. Immediately after the story, though, as heartfelt and tragic it is for Omi. Howard's like, ah, what a bunch of bullshit. We're gonna sit around and listen to this lady. Like, it's so mean. I don't care how much I don't believe it. I'd be like, yo, I mean, I don't know about all that, but <laughs> we gotta figure out what to do, you know? Yeah, I think he's very much going into fight or flight. He doesn't want to believe it and his response is to just go out there, guns ablaze, and try to solve the problem. Gotta get my kid. So much so that he pulls the gun on Tom when Tom tries to stop him from going out. As soon as he reaches the front door, we see a bunch of mini, I call them mini Krampus areas. <laughs> called them evil Christmas elves yeah. outside. They do look like little Krampuses because they're also wearing masks, right? And horned, hooded figures. They look Loki-like almost. Like our dog. Yeah. At this moment, Sarah freaks out, shoves everyone inside and tells them to close the door. One of them is like, what do we do? Omi says something in German. They're like, what did she say? Dorothy says, she's saying we're fucked. How do you know? She's like, cuz I've been around long enough to know when life's running at you with its pants down. <laughs> Great line. Just love Dorothy. In the midst of trying to bunker down and have have some normalcy, Linda decides it's time to wrap all the presents that have caught fire. Meanwhile, 
Tom is telling Sarah that he has a plan for getting them out there. Linda's wrapping these presents and notices that there are some weirdly wrapped ones. She's tempted to open this one that's making weird noises. But before she's able to open it, Sarah comes up and is like, we have a plan, come down. And essentially she saves Linda because she could have opened Pandora's box at that moment. The plan is that they're going to go get that snowplow. We're going to try to drive to the nearest mall. And if there's no one there, we'll just go to the police station. If there's no one at the police station, we'll just drive to the next town. The presents upstairs start to rumble. You can hear the gingerbread man laughing. Stevie and Jordan hear that Beth is upstairs. They decided to make their way upstairs to the bathroom. They didn't want to go alone. And we don't really see what happens. We kind of get a cutaway scene where the girls just start screaming. This is when Tom, Linda, and Sarah go upstairs looking for the girls. Howard, of course, with his bad leg, is kind of stuck downstairs. Dorothy tells them the girls went to the bathroom. She tells them they're on their way to the bathroom and they're like, you let them go by themselves? She's like, was there another option? <laughs> yeah, like, if they have to go, I'd rather they go and not pee in the middle of the room. <laughs> yeah. Howard and the rest hear noise in the kitchen. Howard's like, Rosie. And Rosie's like, fuck no. Runs away. <laughs> Smart dog. They make their way upstairs find no one. They notice that all the presents are ripped up and they hear a loud bang. That loud bang ends up being that giant jack-in-the-box that's been eating Beth and maybe Howard is eating one of the girls. As soon as they see the jack-in-the-box, I think Tom's like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. It's like a snake. It's got giant teeth. This reminded me of something, but what? Yes. The way the teeth the look? Way the teeth eat this thing. Was it it? Possibly. Pennywise? Yeah. <laughs> it's finishing eating the kid and the body goes through, it's almost like a chute, leading to the box itself that's still tiny. Like a snake that eats a large meal, it's also slowed down and it's trying to escape from them. In that moment, a bear also comes out and this angel, they're all monsters. Like the bear kind of looks like the thing from Five Nights at Freddy's. The angel is Ugh. also demonic, kind of looks like Tiffany. Tiffany's face on an angel body. Yeah. A creepy tongue and it's got claws. Tommy's not alone. He also gets attacked by like a killer robot that comes out of nowhere. Yeah, there's so much that happens in this scene. Howard has run into some killer gingerbread men. The gingerbread men start attacking Howard with a nail gun, which the family just apparently has laying around. Probably because they were boarding up the house. Ah, yeah. I, I was thinking about that too. I was like, yeah. why did they have this? But yeah. <laughs> Howard finally shoots the gingerbread men with his shotgun and hits a lantern that's behind them. So they all blow up. And it's funny because like, I don't know if it's less gruesome Morbid. because they're gingerbread men, but they fly off and they're like screaming in pain. One's lost a leg and he looks traumatized. The other one's trying to help the other one up. Like it's really sad if you think about it. But it looks pretty comedic when you're watching it. Yeah. Again, upstairs, Linda notices Stevie's bodies on the ground. So I think Jordan got eaten. Linda gets this like mother. Super mom act. Activated. Yeah. Grabs the bear, pushes him aside, grabs an icicle nearby, stabs it through the eye, and just goes into full adrenaline mode, grabs an axe, attacks the angel that's on top of Sarah. Who at this point was about to strangle her with Christmas lights. Like oh, yeah. everyone was badly losing their fights until Linda saw her kid. Right as she's about to attack the clown, the clown is trying to get through this vent. It's really struggling to get through the vent. Finally escapes Linda. Linda goes to Stevie, who's still on the floor. Stevie explains that that thing ate Jordan and it was planning to eat her next. It kind of had her in like this gross slime cocoon thing preparing to eat her. After everyone's pretty much been saved from the killer toys, they make their way downstairs where Howard is still fighting with the gingerbread men. The two that are left that are on fire start running at him and he shoots one, but the third one, almost like Yoda, does barrel roll, grabs a nearby candy cane that's super sharp, jumps at him in slow motion. Howard in that is moment, pretty Howard, defeated. I think he runs out of bullets, right? I don't know what happens. Because he cringes, you hear a gulp and he opens his eyes and sees 
news that Rosie actually did come to help him and it eats the gingerbread man. Which would totally be the way our dog would save us too. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, a cookie. Cookie fighting? I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> he is totally relieved and is just like, good girl, Rosie. After all that chaos, the family finally regroups in the living room. While still hearing all the noises, they're kind of just spooked and ready to see where they're going to pop out at them. In the vents, I think they continue to hear that the clown is running around and some of the other monsters. But they send Rosie into the vent. Rosie and the monsters seem to be fighting because you hear a lot of growling. It's actually like really guttural for Rosie. I didn't really think she had it in her. She, she ate a flaming gingerbread man. Of course she has it in her. Full of stuffing, I'm telling you. She loved no. it. Yes. <laughs> the family's like watching the walls, but then you hear whining. So you assume Rosie didn't make it. She did take the jack-in-the-box down because he crashes through the living room ceiling. The family descends on the jack-in-the-box, but the creatures are still around. The angel returns, the bear returns, and it just all goes to hell. Aunt Dorothy, she's fucking had it. Oh, with her little coat? She's got the shotgun. She looks real fucking tough. And she has great <laughs> aim because she literally like gets everything. Yeah. I think the first one she shoots is the bear, right? She puts the hole straight into the bear's face. It hits the wall and there's like green slime. It's pretty great. Obviously, the creatures cannot have this right after the mini Krampus or evil elves burst through the boarded up windows. They start wrapping Dorothy with, it looks like Christmas lights. Howard and all of them are backed up against the wall while the elves are like laughing in their face and take the baby and then they yank the shit out of Dorothy. What did she say? See you in hell? Yeah. They take the baby, but then also it seems like Daddy Krampus calls them all back. There's a whistle to get the elves out of the house. Daddy Krampus. Daddy Krampus. <laughs> Howard's like, we need to go after them. Omi, in the meantime, is trying to light a match and realizes that the fire is not lighting and she thinks that Krampus is approaching. Everybody's like, we have to go. Omi says, I'm staying behind. Closes the door. Tommy's like really upset that his mom stayed behind, obviously. And Max kind of understands she's going to try to bargain with him because yeah. she feels probably partially responsible. I think they all do. I feel like this backstory is kind of strange because what did Omi think she was going to do? I mean, they face off and maybe it's like, oh, Krampus remembers but yeah. then nothing really comes of that. Unfortunately. But yeah, I think she has that. We have history. He's let me live before. Maybe I could bargain with him. As Omi stays behind, we finally get our like full view of Krampus because he gets out of the chimney in like a very cool way. Hands and horns first. I think he's got rings. Blinged up. He's blinged up. And he steps out. He towers over Omi. I think this is where we get a partial good look at his mask, apparently. But I thought it was like decrepit Santa Claus looking face. I guess with the mask in mind, it kind of makes sense now because his face is in this stuck, petrified look. Like mm -hmm. his mouth is open and the tongue just slithers out. I wish we knew what Krampus Krampus looked like. It looks like he's wearing Santa's face. It does. <laughs> it's like the scream mask, but like with wrinkles. Yeah. The eye holes are also kind of empty. Mm -hmm. His brow is over his eyes, so you can't see. Yeah, it's real demonic. I like it. I like his design. Now, I haven't seen the other Krampus movies, but I think they change it they, from movie to movie. They change how he looks? Appearance, I think so. At least from my non-German or Austrian roots, what I've seen, he traditionally looks kind of like the devil. Like what yeah, you like would a imagine. goat man, black fur on him or red fur on him, but he looks like a goat man. Yeah, he looks like the fireface demon. Lipstick demon. Is that what it was? Okay, yeah. yeah. I remember in the drink, we called it the fireface margarita. Yeah, <laughs> that Darth Maul makeup. That drink was cool. I hate that our stuff doesn't get seen because it's a pretty cool looking one. Help us get our stuff seen. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly Krampus is a dick because he does this twice after this. He makes Max think that he's going to bargain with him. He also makes Omi think that he's going to bargain. But instead he opens up a bag full of just these creepy monsters who jump at Omi and you assume fucking kill her. Cut to the family again running outside. There's a lot of like off screen deaths here. Talk which... about Game of Thrones, kill all your characters. This is basically what happens Oh, for next. sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I think all the kills being off screen is what kind of makes this film like an okay film to show your kids because it's like kind of scary, but not you're not seeing anything gruesome. There's life threatening gingerbread Steaks. men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so right after this, the family continues to run. They're making their way for the snowplow. The first one that's picked off is Tommy because Tommy stays behind to shoot at the slithering thing under the snow. He tells them like, just go. The traditional family stuff, right? It is it's very like, sad. This scene is sad when it's basically all the parents making the kids get in the car to safety and they all are like sacrificed. Yeah. Tommy's picked off. Sarah and Linda are pushing the kids into the snowplow. I think Linda gets pulled mm-hmm. next. Sarah, as she's putting them in the car, gets yanked. One thing that I thought was interesting is once Stevie and Max are in the car, because the elves start to attack the snowplow to try to get the kids, an elf gets shoved into the snow by Max. It's like Krampus turns on his elf too and yanks him under the ground. You could hear like gurgling and crunching noise like he killed one of his own elves. Oh, I thought it was just like this thing does not care and it's just going to eat whatever is in his path. I thought it was actually Krampus slithering. Oh, you did. So you think maybe he's sick I think it's like another creature mm. in the snow to keep them in the house. Snow snakes. Snow snakes. You know, you got to watch out for those. I'm picturing like Beetlejuice snakes, the sand the snakes, giant but one. snow the, ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, just Max and Stevie are left in the snow plow. My thought was like, how are these kids going to drive this car? Do they know how to drive? Oh my God, I know. They were trying to turn it on and I think one of them's like, I only know how to drive a hybrid. Drive. Drive. I only know how to drive a hybrid. I don't know how to drive stick. I was like, that's not even the same thing. <laughs> but I mean, it's true. What were they going to do? They're only what? I think Max isn't even that tall. No. They're only like what? 12? They have to be like 12. Yeah. But as the kids are freaking out, trying to figure out how to drive this thing, the mini Krampuses attack. Stevie gets taken by one of them. Max is the only one left. Max gets off the snowplow and he's like determined to get his family back and looks for them. Krampus shows up and is like, here you go, bitch. He's your dumbass letter. You got what you asked for. Santa ain't listening. It's just me, Krampus. I'm here to take everything, not give you shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's basically what happens. As this is happening, he's hearing the dialogue from earlier. He's a reminder when hope is lost, belief is broken, Christmas spirit dies. The next scene is him walking through the forest to approach Krampus, his elves, and his creatures having like a Burning Man party out in the middle of the woods. (laughs) In winter. That's funny because in my notes I literally wrote, comes up on a weird fever dream sleigh. And it's really like folklore-y, old school looking stuff. I like it. I think it was very fun visually. I think they had Stevie. Max wants none of it. No. Yells at them. He doesn't care that Krampus has selected him to be the last one to survive. He says he just wants his family back. It's a really weird moment between him and Krampus because you think... He's understanding. That he knows what he wants and he's like, you've learned your lesson because he wipes away a tear from him. And then instead he turns around and laughs with his minions. Psych! I gotcha. When does he give him back the Omi ornament? He throws it on the ground and it starts to melt through the snow, eventually melting so deep it opens up what we assume is the pit to the underworld, pit to hell. The super south pole. Yes. And this is where the minions take Stevie and they're about to drop her in. Max keeps yelling. Because he's also confused. Like, wait, I thought we had an understand here. I thought like in every movie, we don't say words to each other. We stare at each other. I cry. You wipe a tear away and you understand that I want a happy ending. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Tell me that's not how movies end. (laughs) Christmas movies especially. This creature that's not of this world is like, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm an asshole. I should probably stop. (laughs) Right. Obviously, none of this works and they drop in Stevie. Max is screaming. Krampus decides to just throw him in there as well. Max says he just wants Christmas to be what it used to be and is dropped into the fire pit. 
the screen turns completely white. The next scenes have this foggy aura to them. Dream sequency. Reminiscent of Nightmare on Elm Street. It's Christmas morning. Max wakes up screaming, looks over at his advent calendar. It's day 25. He looks outside and everything's completely white. I wonder if they filmed anywhere with actual snow. Probably not. This is weird facts, but I saw that they made the fake snow with packaging material. Oh. And they also did like 95% of the production in a soundstage. So oh. this neighborhood's not even like real. Interesting. <laughs> wow. Movies are so unglamorous when you know the real know the secrets yeah well you were the one who pointed out did no one on the set know how snow actually interacts with people yeah i hate seeing it i think it's because we're from where there's snow like and it is not it, beautiful and fluffy all the freaking time and when it is that fluffy it melts like instantly the yes. moment it comes into contact with anything yeah you can tell because again when she shuffles under the car like it looks packaging. like she's playing with it and yeah because we're intellectuals we know how snow interacts. we know how snow works okay <laughs> i've stood downtown hailing cabs with snow literally hitting me in the face i know what snow acts like i know as a midwesterner i know (laughs) he opens his advent calendar and father christmas is the image that we see he looks very creepy it looks like they just swapped his face for the snowman baby downstairs everything appears to be back to normal everyone is opening gifts everyone is braiding max for waking up so late saying that they've been waiting on him to wake up he seems to be the only one that remembers what happened because everyone's kind of just talking like they all fell asleep and had a dream and And the storm's over and we have power now and everything's fine everyone starts to open an exchange gifts sarah gets this weird taxidermy thing from howard i hate taxidermy so much it's his girl yeah it's so fucking ugly max is telling his parents that he loves them and he's very happy he then goes to open a gift and inside the box is the krampus bell if you look at the faces of the family around him they all realize they're hungover at once they all look extremely traumatized looking at this bell they all look around confused at each other also remembering that they all died all the dialogue from the night before is repeated to them the camera pans out the front window get a full shot of the house and it looks like a toy you realize they're all in a snow globe in a shop that you assume is Krampus's globe shop and he does this to millions of families it's kind of like the ending of Men in Black where you realize that the world is bigger than you think it is yeah it's a really cool shot it's just continuous zoom out zoom out zoom out the shop is huge and filled with millions of them it's very old looking I like this ending does the family just live in Christmas forever happy in the snow globe you know this also reminds me of that episode of American Dad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stan dies and his heaven is entering the front door of his house and his family And everything's back him. to normal, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What happens to all these families that are stuck in the snow globe? Do they just disappear and no one knows that they existed anymore? Well, it's like the town. The whole town is destroyed by Krampus. But does he affect the town or is it just that he's... Making them see the town like this. Has he locked them into the snow globe the moment the wish was made? Oh. You never see anyone else again. I don't think he would punish the rest of them just because of this family. That's what I was thinking. Does he punish everyone just because Max made a wish? Yeah, who knows? Did he kill the DHL guy for real? Is that guy still in the truck today? He had nothing to do with this. No. He's stuck there. Who will deliver the packages on Christmas? What a shitty job. I know. When you have to deliver stuff on Christmas. But that's the movie. Yeah, I love that ending so much. This movie's really cool. This movie's super fun. I can see why a lot of people enjoy it around the holidays. It's not scary horror. It's very campy. I think you could watch this with your family and you wouldn't be like, I'm traumatizing my kids. 
Woods or something. Just like Black Christmas and other films like Silent Night, Deadly Night, it had controversy because it was Christmas related. It wasn't until it got like a PG-13 rating that they were like, okay, fine, we'll release it this way. Huh. So maybe there was on-screen kills and they had to tone it down. Yeah, maybe. What do you rate it? This is hard because I kind of just want to rate it as a Christmas movie and not as a horror movie. Is it cheating to give two ratings? Because no. as a horror movie, I would give this a six. But because it's just like really fun and turns Christmassy things into demonic entities, I guess I'll give it a seven. Okay. I think I'd do the same. For a horror, a four. Because it's not really like that scary. As far as a movie in general, I think I'd give it an eight. I really like this. Yeah. Nice. You really like this director because... Trick or Treat is my favorite too, yeah. Yeah. What scared Loki? What did scare Loki? Did you notice something? Yeah. He hated when the gingerbread men were laughing. I don't know. This guy like hates when people laugh because I think he's done this before. But I did think that it was funny that... Did you know the gingerbread men were voiced by Seth Green and Justin Rowland? Justin Rowland is known for Rick and Morty. And Seth Green obviously is Seth, Seth Green. Green. Yeah, they play Lumpy and Clumpy. Oh my god. <laughs> that is really funny. There's a third one named Dumpy. Same. Yeah, he hated the gingerbread men. Last year, my sister gave him gingerbread men treats. Those things last like forever. I think we still have some. No, I got rid of them oh. for him. Yeah. I mean, it took him like all year to eat them because it was like two boxes full of it. You want to tell us about it, Loki? Hmm, sounds like you wouldn't eat the flaming gingerbread men. Maybe he would. He'd be like rosy and be like, I hate them laughing. Gotta go eat them. Yeah. <laughs> Side note, for Christmas, Loki is getting Prozac. Oh. It's okay. He's going to be a happier boy. Maybe things won't scare him yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah. Stay tuned for when he's happier, I guess. <laughs> Not that he's not happy now. It's just that, yeah, he needs help. He's a little stressed. <laughs> so that's Krampus. Make sure to check out the Dank and Denley podcast. Thank you again for showing us how to make the white hot gingerbread man. Again, we're going to look for Cinerator because I want to try this exactly the way you made it. Yeah, I just want to quickly say happy holidays to anyone listening or whatever you celebrate. Yeah, have a good time. Thanks for joining us. Try this hot chocolate too. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you did anything creepy on the holidays. Yeah, let us know if you have like creepy Christmas traditions. Yeah, like ugly sweaters, but to the full potential, like the ugliest, scariest sweater. It's not a bad idea. We might do that. Horror Christmas sweaters. If you celebrate Christmas. If not. What creepy things do you do in the winter? Do you also have a bonfire on a sleigh with little demon elves? But I think that pretty much wraps it up for us here. You can follow us pretty much anywhere at Shaken Not Scared Pod, except Twitter. Twitter is Shaken Scared Pod. You can send us an email at shakennotscaredpod at gmail.com. Support the show on Patreon. You can get early access to episodes or a bonus episode and themed drink idea every month. Listen wherever you love getting your podcast. Give us a follow. Check out our drink videos. Be sure to like, rate, review, all that good stuff. Happy, Happy holidays. holidays. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.